Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit ContractProperties.net. From 104.5 The Zone, this is the Midday 180. Delivered by Edley's Barbecue. With Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. And we begin the hour with Titans head coach Mike Vrabel discussing Isaiah Wilson going on the non-football illness list uh, with uh, the, the Titans and discussing how the Titans and Isaiah are handling that. Everybody gets the same amount of money. Everybody's got good players, um, good coaches, and uh, it's a challenge to win this this league. They, they're, they're a young team. They're playing hard. They're playing fast. Played seven one-score games. They got off to a great start in Minnesota. You know, they weren't able to, you know, hold on to the lead. They came back and tied it late. And, um, I think Doug's doing a fantastic job uh, with with those guys, and, and they're playing fast, and they're playing, you know, playing good, playing hard. Uh, Buck, yeah, coach, you uh, getting Chris Jackson off the uh, the COVID list today. What what were you guys kind of seeing from him early on when he was when he was forced into uh, or essentially got the opportunity to play early, and and how is how have what strides has he taken since then? Well, you know, it's been, you know, I mean, he's had, had some men and I, he was in there early and, you know, the season, it's a long season buck and um, dealing, dealing with, you know, injuries and the things that he was working through and then not having them for, for two weeks, you know, so we'll have to evaluate him today. He was, you know, continuing to improve and trying to get better and playing multiple spots for us, helping us on the kicking game. But, um, you know, he's cleared and we'll have to, you know, get him out there today to see, you know, kind of how he looks and how he feels. Uh, Drake? Yep. In terms of Jacksonville and James Robinson, I think we mentioned it before earlier this week about who he is as a running back. But in, as far as his Titans defense is concerned and the performance that they had against some of the, the better rushing attacks, obviously Chubb kind of at 80 yards last week. And then, of course, I'm limiting Lamar um, against Baltimore before about 51 yards. What's it going to take for this defense to kind of continue that form against uh, James Robinson, who obviously had a pretty big game against you guys earlier this season? He did. Yeah, and he had a couple of big ones. I mean, I think we, we played pretty competitively. Um, you know, I think it's the same thing, Drake, if, you know, hopefully everybody that's been in this thing with me about stopping a run is it's going to be about setting the edge, building the wall and and swarming. And that's, at the essence is what run defense is. And um, you know, we've done it very well at times. And then sometimes we, we haven't done it so well, um, but um, he's talented. He's, he's strong. He's got good vision. And uh, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to stopping the run game. You know, I mean, no matter what you got called, you're going to have to have an edge. You're going to have to build a wall. So there's no seams in there. And then, you know, in this league, you're, you're not going to be able to, uh, just rely on on one guy making a tackle, and uh, we talk about no one on one tackles, and 
and getting as many guys to the football that, that we possibly can. Uh, Paul? I'm sorry if you've been asked about this and I've missed it. Uh, in your estimation, should Tier could Tier have uh, avoided stepping on uh, the guy he stepped on? And was that adjudicated fairly? Um, you know, Tier will have his hearing. The league saw, um, you know, made a decision. I, I didn't think that there was anything malicious uh, from Tier's actions, but, you know, again, that'll be, you know, up to Tier to, um, to explain that to, to the arbitrator uh, this afternoon, and we'll get a ruling and, and we'll move forward. All right, that's all the questions. Thanks, Coach. That is Titans head coach Mike Vrabel speaking with the media earlier. uh, He did discuss Isaiah Wilson going on the non-football illness list, uh, but would not confirm if that is happening locally, if he's out of town, anything like that. He did say that the Titans are supporting those efforts. Uh, And we'll we'll discuss this at length coming up in the noon hour uh, with how – uh, just a, a disaster this has been in multiple paths with, with Isaiah Wilson. We'll, we'll get into that. 615-737-1045, our number, 737-1045. Clay Travis will join us momentarily. We'll get into some of the college football headlines, including the Big Ten and the decision to lower the requirements to make it to their championship game. I mean, if I'm in the same situation, it's, I want Ohio State playing in the championship game. I get it. it. SEC fans can be pissed off all they want. It's the right business decision. Yes. It is the right decision for that conference to waive this restriction. It is. Because of the circumstances and allow it. Now, we can go back to what Godfrey just said, and this is how I feel about this college football season. And I am not a let's not play sports guy or it doesn't count. The national champion this year counts. That counts. What doesn't count? Bowl games. Who goes to a bowl? What happens in bowl games? It should be all about let's get the best teams in America to the playoff. Let's watch those playoff games. Let's get there however we can. So I applaud the Big Ten for making the decision. Let's get there how we can. Because Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. We all know it. They're the most talented. They're the best team. If they played 10 games, they would win 10 games in the Big Ten this year. So let's push them through, get them to the playoff. I have no issue with it. The SEC would make the same exemption for an Alabama or an LSU in a good year or Florida or Georgia if they felt they were the best one, but because of COVID-19 circumstances weren't allowed to play enough games, they would probably do the same exact thing. I told you this before. It's why the NFL feels so normal to me this year. You know, a lot more normal than college football. So many weird circumstances and cancellations and postponements and everything else have, have led to a very strange college football season. And we got to get back into some of the things that Godfrey said at the end of that segment because he was fired up. It's gotten a big reaction on social media. I agree with some of what he said. I disagree with some of what he said also. I I don't think it's time to throw out Philip Fulmer as a bad athletic director at Tennessee. And I know that Godfrey was in on that boat from the beginning, that he wasn't the right guy for the job. I'm not ready to say that yet. But he brings up some interesting points about not one Tennessee fan can look at Jeremy Pruitt and say he's going to turn this thing around and he's the guy to get things going in the right direction. Philip Fulmer says that, but not one person that follows the program or anyone from the outside is willing to say that. So if that's the case, why not go ahead and make a move now and save yourself this bonus year 
I, I think that you can look at this on two different sides and also say that just what Godfrey got done ranting about before that, it's a damn weird season. You can You can throw a lot of things in there and say it is a weird season. And I will also say this. I do believe with a quarterback that's really good and a better offensive play caller, Tennessee finishes about where we thought they would this year, six and four, five and five. They, they beat Kentucky. They beat Arkansas. They beat Auburn with someone that looks like they're into a game plan and making good calls in the moment and a quarterback that just doesn't get you beat. A couple of those games, it's simply a quarterback that doesn't throw pick sixes. Tennessee could have ran the ball. That's the, the that's rest the game of the Auburn Kentucky. game, and it would have been right there in the fourth yeah. quarter. At least I'm not saying yeah. they win, right? but they're about to score, right, to either tie it or take the lead late third quarter, and your fifth-year senior quarterback is staring down the best of, one of the best defensive backs in the league and throws a 100-yard pick six under pressure, and the game's over at that point. And, the game, and why is the game over? Because your quarterback is bad and your offensive coordinator's bad. Shouldn't be over at 20 to 10 with that much time left. Over. But with Tennessee, it's over. So you're right. Do I think that Jeremy Pruitt has earned a fourth year? No. Do I think that, can I understand why Phil Fulmer would bring him back for a fourth year? Yes. If that's your hire and that's your guy and you truly believe in him, then yes, I can understand bringing him back. I don't think it's a no brainer the way Godfrey laid it out, but it was a very good segment with him. Coming up, Clay Travis joins us. Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue. Clay Travis joins us, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. You've got the thousand, up to $1,000 risk-free bet with FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Clay, what's up, man? Just enjoying the weather. Feels like uh, feels like a nice spring day, nice uh, full day. I don't know, it's going to get up to almost 70 degrees, so I'm outside uh, working. It feels like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament outside. That's sort of that's the, the good, chill in the good. air mixed with the warmth. It's a, Yeah, that's a good analogy. It feels uh, absolutely perfect, so I'm trying to uh, take advantage of it. So um, Hudson Wolf, a four-star tight end from the state of Tennessee, became Tennessee's latest decommitment from this recruiting class. Uh, things are not going well for Jeremy Pruitt. We just had this discussion with Stephen Godfrey, Clay, on if Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee were to somehow find a way to lose to this Vandy team that they're about to trot out there on Saturday, how possibly could Philip Fulmer bring him back for a fourth year if that was to happen? What would things look like if Tennessee lost to this Vandy team and Philip Fulmer decided you know what, I'm not firing my guy yet. He's coming back for a fourth year. How ugly would that offseason, would ticket sales, would talk about the Tennessee program be leading into 2021? Really bad. I mean, it would be a – look, I I don't think that beating Vanderbilt is going to be some kind of magic elixir for Tennessee and it's going to cure all that ails the program because, to me, this Tennessee team has zero business losing to Arkansas or losing to uh, Kentucky, right? I mean, those are bad to mediocre teams, and Tennessee is more talented than both, and it's year three of Jeremy Pruitt, and he has to win those both, both those games. And if he doesn't win both of those games, then I think he had to pull off an upset over a Florida or over a Texas A&M or over a Georgia to help cancel that out, and we haven't seen that happen. And so – uh, look, 
Tennessee beat Missouri, but I think that's because Connor Bazelak was not playing yet. Um, and, uh, and, and otherwise, Tennessee has beat a 2-8 and eight South Carolina team that, uh, that fired their head coach. And they may beat Vanderbilt, who fired their head coach. And uh, that's kind of where we are. So uh, I think the funny thing to me is uh, if this came down to like a Sarah Fuller extra point to beat Tennessee like 21-20, to 20, I, I really feel like they might have to just shut down the program because I don't know that I could live for the next 40 years of my life with the inevitable Sarah Fuller Rudy movie that would be made uh, that, you know, you'd be unable to escape anytime you're watching television for the rest of your life where Tennessee is the bad guy and Sarah Fuller is Rudy. And, uh, and you know, that, that I just think, Jeremy Pruitt should have to resign right there, but then and there, like he should never be allowed to be a head coach again in football. I mean, Vanderbilt's bad, right? I mean, if yes. you are a 16-point underdog to this University of Tennessee team, what you're basically saying is you are a D3 team because that's how bad Tennessee has been. For Tennessee to be favored like that over a team of Vanderbilt's magnitude and caliber, uh, that I mean, it's just embarrassing to Vanderbilt. So if Tennessee lost, I mean, I, I think you have to fire Jeremy Pruitt almost within hours of that defeat. Are you giving the points in that game? Are you betting this one? I bet on Vandy. I don't. I don't think Tennessee should be a double-digit favorite over anybody uh, right now, based on the way they're playing. I mean, you don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, right, whoever right, the quarterback yeah. is has has not shown the ability to play at a high level. I don't particularly believe that Tennessee has played at a very high level for much of this season. But, Clay, they, so, they just covered against Florida. Yeah. So not, but, you don't think they'll cover against Vandy? No. Uh, let, let's be honest about that cover. I mean, Vander, Florida was up 31-7, to and Tennessee had two touchdown drives inside of the final six minutes, including a fourth down throw from, you know, 25 yards out or whatever the heck it was to, uh, to cover. So, you know, sometimes you get a backdoor cover like that, but, whatever the final score was of the Tennessee-Florida game, 31-21, that didn't feel like a 10-point game for most of the second half. I mean, Florida never felt for the entirety of the second half like they were in any danger of losing that game. And so, no, I, I look, Tennessee may win and they may cover, uh, but uh, but I don't feel comfortable you know, taking 15 or 16 points and expecting them to win by, uh, by fourth than that. Tennessee better win, uh, I think, is the answer to that. It's not in May. They, they better win this one. I, I don't know if they're going to cover either. I certainly would not bet on them to cover. Um, but when, when you look at Tennessee, it's something else we discussed. Um, it, it, you're right. Beating Vandy is no magic elixir to get the program headed in the right direction, but it's certainly a nice way to stave off total disaster this weekend. But when you look at the program overall, Clay, it's not one player. There's a systemic problem with Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. But you can certainly argue that one spot, quarterback, and one other spot, offensive play caller, has stopped this team from maybe winning a couple more games this year, at least. So is it as easy in terms of the sales pitch this offseason if Jeremy Pruitt is coming back just to say, well, I fired Jim Chaney and brought in an innovative offensive mind, and we have these quarterbacks that now we believe in with Harrison Bailey coming back and with Caden Salter coming in. I mean, I'd like to believe that's the case, but Tennessee is – you don't end up in a quarterback situation like this by accident. They have failed for three years to replace Derek Garantano, and to me that is a systemic failure, right? Like, 
one year a quarterback tears his ACL, like, you know, like what happened early in Philip Fulmer's tenure, for those of people who are old enough to remember it, Jerry Colquitt tears his ACL, and Tennessee has Todd Helton and Peyton Manning, and they're not really ready. You know, that year before uh, Heath Schuler had decided to go pro, and it was Jerry Colquitt's job, and then in the first half, I think, or whatever it was, on the road at the Rose Bowl against UCLA, quarterback tears his ACL, and the rest of that year, Tennessee was fighting to get back, right? Those kind of things happen. If Tennessee had had a stud quarterback and he got injured and the expectation was he was going to be great and then there wasn't somebody ready to handle or take over and, and run the team, I think you could make an excuse for Jeremy Pruitt. But this is three years where you needed somebody to be able to break the glass uh, type situation, and Jared Garantano was standing there as the answer. And I don't think you blame Jared Garantano at this point for being what he is, which is, a thoroughly mediocre quarterback in the SEC that should never have started for three years. It's not his fault he did that. It's Tennessee's fault. And uh, and ultimately that goes to development. It goes to assessment of talent. It goes to recruiting. Everything runs through the quarterback position. And I think, you know, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I think if you gave Tennessee, uh, let's see, if you gave Tennessee Kyle Trapp, right, who may never have started at Florida unless Felipe Franks broke his leg, I think they're probably 7-3. and three maybe 82, maybe even better, right? I mean, he might have made that much difference everywhere else. So He, yes, would, he would need a different play caller. That's well, the only maybe, problem is I think I think it's both. I think yeah, you need to maybe, pair him with a, but, with a mind that can understand how to call plays and scheme an offense around the quarterback skill set. But, but what I'm getting at is, like, Eric Gray is a pretty talented running back, right? He's very like, good. I mean, he, he's as good as most running backs are in the SEC. We know the offensive line is skilled. You know, a lot of times, Bill Belichick says, uh, if you're a good coach, and I think it's, a, it's an instructive lesson for management in general, so don't get mad at people for what they can't do. You figure out what they can do and you build around that. And it feels like at wide receiver, Tennessee has never really built around the talent that they have. And so uh, I, I just think I think quarterback matters more than offensive coordinator because a lot of the decisions that Jared Garantano has made and a lot of the throws he has made, I mean, just use that Auburn game for an example. I mean, Tennessee is absolutely dominating running the football, and it makes total sense that with all of those plays in a row, you would be able to go play action with your fifth-year senior quarterback and expect for there to be a throw that he can make there, and he you know, throws it, and we get a 100-yard interception return the other way. So uh, play calling matters, but I think good quarterbacks make play callers look a lot better. Clay Travis with us. Clay, your thoughts on the decision by the Big Ten to amend the rules to allow Ohio State in. From the business perspective, what do you think? And then just from the, the football perspective, maybe, maybe it's the same line of thinking in what they did. It always reminds me of a great line from, uh, I think it was Charles Barkley who said it. He said, uh, it's amazing how often God tells an athlete to pick the team that makes it pay them most money. Right? <laughs> like, uh, you hear like, oh, yeah. God wanted me to see it. God never wanted you to take $20 million less dollars to go somewhere. It's amazing how God always wants you to take the most money in it. Um, and so, you know, people out there, you know, kind of running around like, oh, we're not going to argue this side, I'm going to argue that side. Money typically wins. And Ohio State uh, is in line, if they make the playoff, to make the Big Ten in a COVID-crushed year $25 million plus that they would not have otherwise made. Every Big Ten school gets to distribute that money 
and every single one of them is going to make around $2 million more. Now, that's not going to save uh, the season for many of these programs that didn't have fans that, that produced substantially less revenue than they ordinarily would, but it's a lot better than the alternative. So uh, I'm not surprised the Big Ten made this choice. To be fair to them, uh, they can argue, hey, uh, Ohio State would have won whether they won or lost if they played against Michigan, which is true because they beat Indiana. Uh, but uh, but I, I would just kind of fall back on, I think it was a Barkley quote, but uh, it's amazing how God probably led. At least they didn't see it. Like, we prayed on it. God told us that Ohio State should be in the playoff <laughs> game. Like, oh, God like money too. It's amazing how that works. Clay, I'd like to take this moment to announce that because of rules violations here at the station, <laughs> that I won't be watching as many bowl games this yeah. bowl season. That's going to be my self-imposed punishment. I'm going to watch half the amount of bowl games this year. That's essentially what LSU just tried to pull with the NCAA. They're going to go three and seven, probably much like Tennessee's about to go three and seven. And their <laughs> quote unquote punishment is self-imposed one-year bowl ban. Not next year when the team's going to be better in a normal season, but in this COVID-19 2020 season, that has been an abject failure for LSU. Yeah, and I think it's important now that I go ahead and withdraw from the Secretary of State uh, decision-making for Joe Biden's campaign. That's not an office that I'm going to take. Uh, it just doesn't feel like the right move for the country at this point for me to accept that offer, so I'm just going to go ahead and withdraw. I mean, look, I love it because it's vintage SEC. Like, it's so ridiculously vintage SEC that LSU – Three days before they're about to get their brains beat in by Florida, the fall to three and six, suddenly comes out and they're like, you know what? We're not going to go to the Birmingham Bowl this year. We're going to say no to spending New Year's at Shreveport. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is just a really important lesson that we have learned about how, you know, cheating doesn't pay. Uh, and as a result, we're going to let our kids go home for Christmas instead of having to, uh, to, to go on a shopping uh, trip the Winfrey Mall in Birmingham. And I just want to tell you that it's an important lesson that we've learned. I mean, it's all ridiculous, but perfect for the SEC. And I kind of admire how just utterly absurd it is to make this decision and then to trot it out as if it's some form of punishment. Um, I think there's a lot of Tennessee fans out there that are like, I, if you told me Jared Garantano was going to start another game, I'd prefer that Tennessee also self-impose a postseason ban. So, for those that don't know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this stems from a booster funneling money that he embezzled from a hospital to the, to, to the family of a player. And what they're, what LSU is saying is, we're going to self-impose a, a bowl ban this year at three wins on the season to make up. That's our punishment for, for embezzling from a hospital. And honestly, though, the SEC, they may want to punish LSU by forcing them to play a bowl game. Yeah, well. <laughs> because the SEC can tell. I mean, it, and Clay, yeah. you know this. It's all about television uh, inventory. So yeah. the SEC has to send so many teams out. I think there are plenty of teams that would just opt out of a bowl game this year. But the SEC may come back and say, no, I'm sorry, Tennessee. you got to play in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl or in Nashville in the Music City Bowl or, or wherever because – we have to send our conference teams <laughs> to these games. Hell, Vandy may be forced as punishment <laughs> to go play in a bowl game this year. Yeah, Vandy could uh, become the first ever SEC team to go 0-11, which would be a uh, accomplishment. I, I do think we're underrating uh, the historic nature of Vanderbilt's awfulness this year. I mean, it's unlikely that at any time in our lives there will ever be a team that posts as bad of a record as Vanderbilt football does. I mean, this is, you know, it's imperfect. 
but it is it is a uh, a majesty of awfulness that is likely to be unequaled in the history uh, of SEC football. Because I simply don't know when we're ever going to have ten football games ever played again uh, in conference. So it's going to be impossible, assuming Vanderbilt uh, takes the field this weekend against Tennessee and, and loses and does the same next weekend against Vander, uh, against Georgia. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where anybody can go 0-10. So uh, that should be something that uh, Sarah Fuller and, and Vanderbilt and uh, all of their uh, all their athletics uh, departments should really hold their head eye about. This is an achievement that's never been achieved. It's a, it's a dream uh, unlike any other dream. It's like uh, what the, the Lions were able to do. It's, it's the perfect season in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it it's, a lot. it's almost more difficult to pull that off than go, having the perfect season. It, it takes a lot to uh, to go zero and ten, and to uh, to make your program a laughing stock of the entire nation, like Vanderbilt has. So um, I uh, and by the way, the Sarah Fuller thing like it made it even more ridiculous. But again, if she kicks an extra point to beat Tennessee twenty one twenty, Vanderbilt fans are going to consider it to be the greatest season that's ever existed, and we'll all have to watch it like it's Rudy uh, getting the sack against Georgia Tech. For uh, for the rest of our lives, so, I will not uh, watch it. Not once. I hope Jeremy Pruitt does <laughs> not, not uh, does not do that to all of us. Not once would I watch that. Hutton had an in- interesting bit of info. She is listed as a backup on the depth chart this week, though. Is that right, Hutton? Yeah, the last I read, Riley uh, Gay is now eligible to kick for them. Ah, uh, there was two other kickers on the depth chart with her, and she was yeah. listed as the backup. Let's go to the Titans, though, Clay, because I know it's you're pretty you're... sexist to not have her as the starter. To be honest, so oh, but hey, it, we, we all know if if. If they have a chance to kick an extra point or a, a, a chip shot to win the game, she's kicking it. Paul has uh, some 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 Vanderbilt sources out there, and he's been saying consistently that she will kick extra points. That yeah. she she is slotted to be the extra point kicker, maybe not on kickoffs or any field goal attempt, but that it, when Vandy has an extra point, which I'm going to go ahead and say Vandy will at least score one touchdown in this game against Tennessee, that you will see Sarah Fuller on the field for that extra point. Uh, Clay, I want to get into the Titans because I know you're a season ticket holder. You're, you're at all the games. Uh, the Just the disappointment level in using a first-round pick on Isaiah Wilson and then what's happened from a football perspective with him this year. The guy continues to master the art of finding a different list to fall on to not be eligible to play football. Yeah, I, and, and so I maybe this is crazy, but I am more disappointed in Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney's $20 million plus as the additions for rush defensive ends. Because if you see what, say, a guy like Carlos Dunlap has been capable of achieving, uh, the Titans knew what Vic Beasley was. They knew what Jadavion Clowney was. And both of those guys were total busts for the money they spent. Honestly, the Isaiah Wilson pick is really disappointing, but it's moved from me being disappointed with the Titans to actually being uh, dis- like disappointed is the wrong word, uh, fearful for what this guy may do to himself or those around him, right? Because it seems pretty clear to me that we've moved from whether or not he's talented enough to be a player, which frankly we still don't know, to, it seems like there's major mental or psychological issues that he is dealing with. And so, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, can this guy pick up the blitz? Is he going to know what to do on, uh, you know, a particular pass protection or running play? Is he going to pull correctly? Like all those things that you might ordinarily be concerned about for alignment. I mean, I'm genuinely concerned based on the series of decisions that it appears he has made about his psychological health and where his mental health is. 
Um, so, I, I mean, obviously you don't want a first-round pick to ever not play. I mean, it's a complete failure in that respect. Uh, and certainly there are people you would think at the wide, at, at, sorry, at the uh, cornerback position uh, that they could have made a, a difference. And certainly there's got to be somebody out there who could have helped uh, with getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback, something the Titans can't do. And so that disappoints you. But to me, the, the, the most disappointing thing I would say in general about the Titans offseason is they knew what they had in Ryan Tannehill. I think they felt pretty good about what they had in A.J. Brown, certainly Derrick Henry. And they went out and whiffed on the idea of putting together a team that was more likely to win a championship. And they whiffed because they spent big money on Davion Clowney. They spent big money on Vic Beasley. And they took Isaiah Wilson in the first round. And effectively, this team is going to get nothing from the three most expensive additions that they made in the offseason. So I kind of look at those as a trio. Uh, and, and frankly, I'm more concerned about Isaiah Wilson, just his mental stability. Because you just never see this happen, right? I mean, the Titans have had all sorts of needs on the offensive line. If he had any kind of mental stability at all, you would think they would have gotten him into the rotation at some point. Clay Travis from OutKick has been our guest. Clay, FanDuel Sportsbook, up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. Real simple, the facial recognition on the app. You click, and then you hit promotions. You scroll down, and there it is, the $1,000 risk-free bet available. And it's for anybody that signs up. That's right, FanDuel.com slash Clay. And if you don't want to you know, bet $1,000 on a game, you can bet $5 on a game. You can go in uh, for tonight's Thursday night football game between the Patriots and the Rams. You simple. You, maybe you're not a gambler like, oh, I don't even know how to do this. You just pick a side. $5 down, pick a side. Who's going to win, the Rams or the Patriots? Don't even worry about the spread, although the value there is on the Rams because they're the favorite to win. You bet $5, you get a 25-to-1 payout. So $5 turns into $125. All you have to do to sign up, fanduel.com slash click. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. We're off and rolling to 1 o'clock with you. You can join us, 615-737-1045, our number. Paul, you are back from the pressers. Hang on one second. Sorry, you want a few things out of here? Yep. Um, I uh, thought. Hey, aside from everyone tweeting that Derrick Henry isn't worried about stats, he's only worried about winning. Flooding timelines with that is just—I mean, he I, could say that every yeah, week. 